Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Realtor Nation podcast. My name is Ian Hoover and I am the host of this show and I'm ready to bring to you the Realtor Nation, a show to help you improve your business. Today we're talking about digital marketing. It's very important in our business. How to make the phone ring, how to make your phone ring all day long with leads. There's so many other companies out there. There's so many sales calls. What's the best route to go? How much money do you really need to invest to get a decent return on investment? Is Zillow or Realtor.com the best way to go or should I just be doing Facebook marketing? We're going to answer a lot of these questions today and I'm bringing on an expert in the field. His name's Jeffrey Broger. He's with the Steezy Company. Uh, they're a digital marketing firm that focuses on brokerages and he's rolled out a new product that focuses on a real estate agent with a lower budget than a big time brokerage. So we're going to bring Jeff on here in a minute. He's going to discuss with us about his solutions. Uh, you got to let him talk about what he's doing, but he, we also get into things like CRMs and just ask a bunch of questions along with some other motivational things for you to keep you motivated, keep you focused on the task at hand and keep you being the best real estate agent that you can be in your business. So without further ado, let's bring on Jeff. All right. I'd like to welcome to the show, Jeff Broger. Welcome Jeff. Thank you. Glad to be here. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah. It's uh Friday today. So if you're listening to this in the future, just know that we're close to the weekend when we're recording this and uh, life is good. Life is always good on Friday, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Where are you located at? I'm in Huntington Beach, California. Oh, so you're in a much nicer weather destination than, than I am. I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So okay. Okay. <laughs> a little different, although we've had some nice weather lately. It's starting to get a little hot though. Got it. Yeah. Summertime's coming. Well, um, you know what? I'm going to just start off by like having you tell us a little bit about yourself. And, uh, and I like to start with your journey. So like um, not only where you're at right now, but what got you to where you're at um, within the digital marketing world. Absolutely. So really before I got into marketing, it all started with sales. So if you're watching this uh, as far as a video afterward, um, then you might see some trophies behind me. I started my sales career with Cutco Cutlery and, and Vector Marketing. So really right out of high school, I learned that instead of doing a restaurant job, I could do sales, make phone calls, show up to an appointment, and literally the sky was the limit for how much I could make. I'm not limited to $16 an hour or $30 an hour with, with if you include tips at a restaurant. I could make you know, a hundred dollars an hour or more. And, and so really it was an amazing breakthrough for me early on to realize like, wow, I can leverage my time so much more effectively if I can learn some skills. And so that's where it all started. I started doing the sales thing, but I learned a 70 year old sales process. You know, real estate's very similar where there's so many old sales processes that are in place now so many things that are taught to us when we're new reps and new agents and it's like you know go to the top of your rolodex and start with a start calling and things like that where yes they are effective eventually but they aren't the most effective or efficient use of your time nowadays with technology and with other aspects of marketing that you can do so really like through personal experience I was able to understand the tedious pain points of a sales rep. And at the end of the day, uh, 
realtor is a sales representative. You know, you're, you're transferring your enthusiasm from yourself to your buyer or your seller. And you're also consulting them and walking them through the process over, you know, a lot of times over a year or longer is the, is the sales cycle. So, um, before I got into marketing, I got into sales. I just wanted to really paint that picture. And then when I did get out of college, I, I then founded my own marketing agency because I grew up with social media. I, I knew early on that Facebook was running ads starting in 2010 when I was a sophomore in college and I was listening to podcasts. Um, and I was like, Oh, that's interesting. You know, it's, it's not TV commercials. It's on social media now. And so I just kind of grew up with that. And, uh, in college I was, using social media very organically to get people to show up to events, whether it was me being the president of a club and getting, you know, 40 to hundred students to show up to a certain event that we're promoting or whatever it was, I was using these algorithms and these, this technology to market online. And, and so when I got out of college, I was like, wow, I could use this to help sales reps to generate leads and like to, to help automate some of the things that I, hated when I was a sales rep. And so once I um, kind of embarked on that journey, real estate was my first choice and I chose to immediately niche into real estate. Um, real estate had always been there for me. I took all the real estate classes and was this close to getting my license at 18. And then, you know, life took a turn. I ended up selling Cutco instead. But um, I have an investment property still to this day. You know, it was willed to me at 16 years old and um, and I'm continuing to build up like my investment property empire. And, and then I, you know, now own a marketing and, and real estate technology company too. So, you know, real estate's just always been there. And today I own Steezy Digital, which is a marketing agency and Steezy means style with ease. So that was my first marketing agency. Um, really wanted to help top 1% brokers to just look better online right? They, we wanted to just upgrade all their digital marketing, make them look super professional. And ultimately, what matters most to a top 1% broker? They care about having someone on the phone that's a qualified prospect. That's all they care about. So if we could tee up more qualified sales conversations for our top broker clients, they would take it from there. And, and that was a win. So that was really the focus. Um, and through that process, we developed an amazing system that we now have today through Real Nurture. .io. So realnurture.io is the, the, essentially the individual agent model of Steezy Digital's system. Because what we found is that not everyone can afford to have a marketing agency run all your campaigns for you, you know, pay a retainer plus ad spend, and, and have, not everyone can afford that. So a lot of individual agents came to us and they're like, we would love to have this in our business. How can we do it? And that's how Real Nurture came, came about. It really is a, it's a less expensive kind of like similar to like technology as a service or software as a service model, where it's just like a monthly subscription and you get to license all of our intellectual property, all of our knowledge, all of our templates and training and things that we've really developed with top brokers. You get to use like all the top broker stuff, but you don't have to have us manage it because we teach you how to manage it. And so that's really where we're at today is, is I have these two verticals in the real estate industry, both, you know, helping realtors and we do have, you know, some, custom lending campaigns and, you know, we do have some other things out there, but, um, you know, that pretty much is the story from, from start to finish. And, and then, you know, where we're heading. Well, I can tell you're a salesman because you were able to very detailed paint that picture of where you came from. 
uh, what got you started. I'm a little bummed that uh, you, you didn't get your real estate license. You're that close. You decided <laughs> to sell Cutco instead, which the funny thing is, I can't tell you how many Cutco reps over the years I probably just abused because I wasn't interested in their product whatsoever. I mean, I just, right. you know, they in, uh, for some reason, the real estate industry is like their number one industry they try and sell to. Um, and uh, I just, I've, I've never once even thought about purchasing their products, but they just, uh, they just called me all the time and I was, I became rude to them. I, I feel bad about it actually, but uh, you know, that, that's uh a really tough first job to get into. I know that the yeah. opportunities are endless and the, the sales possibility is there, uh, but that is about as hard of a sales job as you could have because you got to understand that from the realtor side of it, we get sales calls all day long. We get Zillow calling us, CoStar, LoopNet calling us, um, you know, just all kinds of market with us, do this. So um, since you're kind of an expert in the space, I'm going to be picking your brain a little bit today. Sure. And, um, you know, my brokerage specifically, uh, we are, you know, just, we, we hired a marketing firm last year. To be honest with you, we didn't see that much success from what they were doing uh, with our marketing. Uh, so we actually took that money we were investing and we bought some software uh, for our agents, uh, which has been a pretty nice return on investment. And with the money that's left over, we're now starting to do our own uh, Facebook and Instagram ad campaigns, uh, which we are actually, I'm not, I don't even know what I'm doing that much, but I'm getting a little bit better result than what I was getting paying a marketing firm to, to wow. do marketing. Uh, and they were, I'm not going to say names, but they were a very uh, big, big online marketing firm. Maybe I was just too small for them and they weren't spending the, the time because of my budget was too small, which might be, uh, you know, where you, somebody like yourself might fit in. But uh, let's, let's start with why, actually tell me a little bit about your Cutco career and what it was like uh, trying to sell to realtors and, and how you had to combat the fact that we probably just hung up on you and were rude to you and everything else. Sure. And with that, the average Cutco rep lasts two weeks. So the retention rate is, is super low, but I was able to stay for six years and when I became a sales manager, that was one of my big focuses was longer retention rate. So, you know, getting over objections and slamming the phone and doing all that, it's so important to focus on actions rather than results. And so a lot of what I learned early on in Cutco, I still use today because they were huge on personal development. You know, that's why sales representatives can get paid more than anyone else in the world, but that's why you also have to continue to reinvest in yourself listen to the top speakers and coaches in the world, not, not only motivation, but education of, of actual scripts that are working in your industry. And, and so within the Cutco world, I didn't sell to realtors because that's only one vertical. That's called the closing gift consultant. A lot of, a, a lot of Cutco reps at the higher levels do get into that. I was on residential and I did fair and show and I did, um, you know, basically like I would do group presentations, individual presentations. But for me, it was actually more similar to a real estate agent going on a listing appointment where I wasn't really like slam on the phone calling realtors as much. I was focusing on referrals. I, I started with my network. And then from there on every single appointment, I, I asked for and generated somewhere between five and 15 new warm leads on every appointment, whether I sold them or not because I developed such rapport and such a connection with them. And I aligned them with my goals 
outside of knives and cookware and garden stuff, the first page of my prospectus, after 10 or 15 minutes of rapport where I didn't even open the prospectus, the first page was my goals, very clearly laid out, color-coded in different categories of my life, physical, financial, all, and I would share this with them. I would ask their permission, hey, is it okay if I share these with you? This is actually the reason why I do this. And it would humanize me so much more than just the average rep. Due to that, due to me learning these skills from guys like Hal Elrod and, you know, all these amazing reps that came before me and then speakers outside of Cutco, I learned these, these processes to go through prior to ever even selling, quote unquote. Because then when they're sold on you, now they're asking themselves, how can I help this person, right? And, and I think so much of that is, is applicable in any sales capacity. You need to you know, demonstrate that you care about them, but you also kind of need to get them invested in you and, and you need to get them to kind of care about you and your success. And so when I, would, uh, when I would show up, I would spend so much time on rapport, I would outline my goals, and then I would get into the, the scripted sales process that, by the way, like this is 70 years in the making, this manual that I was following. So all of the like copywriting and the sales stuff that had been done prior, I just followed the script, honestly. And, and the first 13 appointments, I went 0 for 13. <laughs> I did terrible, <laughs> probably because I sounded like a robot or whatever. But it was because I was following that script so to the T that eventually it started to sound more normal, more natural. I memorized it. I made it my own. And then I was able to incorporate my personality, build rapport, get the script across, and go through the closing process with complete comfort and ease. But that just came with time and consistency. And, um, you know, that's really, if, if we were to boil sales success down to one word, I would say that that word is consistency. Would you agree? I would, uh, yeah, I definitely would agree. Consistency is most important because I will tell you that, like, you could take any part of sales, you know, you, let's just break it down in the real estate world. If you want to call expired listings, you don't have to be the best expired listing caller in the world, but if you call all the time, we call every single day for that hour a day and put that time away, guess what? You're going to be successful because you're going to get better. You're going to improve. You're going to eventually find that person that wants your help. Yeah. You're going to get a lot of people saying no and hanging up the phone on you, maybe worse than no, some, uh, some bad sure. words, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, that's, uh, it's very important to be consistent in any sales model. And uh, I love that you said that. Uh, so let's get into, real estate marketing. Now, if a lot of our show is kind of designed into people that might have hit a wall and need to take their business to the next level and also brand new agents that are kind of just getting started because uh, our industry is very, very difficult uh, to get off the ground. You know, they say if you make it to the five-year mark, you're going to have a 20-year career, but it's less than 90. It's around 90% of people don't make it to that five-year mark. Right. Um, what can an average agent who maybe doesn't have a huge marketing budget do to uh, get some paid lead generation um, compared to, because obviously we do videos and we do all the free stuff we can do, but what are some of the small things we can do uh, to maybe spend a small marketing budget online and get real results? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. And, and really that's where real nurture comes in. That's the entire reason why we created that system is we wanted to help the average agent, be able to go above and beyond their sphere of influence and just grinding it away and actually get some consistent new opportunities coming into their business. 
consist like every single month, boom, day after day, just like a new phone number, email, a first name, people that are interested in buying and selling. It's, it's really nice to be able to have that consistency and then also to scale it when you're ready. So that's the whole, that's the whole reason why we created it. And just to give you an example, if an agent were to spend say 500 bucks a month, you know, if you're, if you've gotten a couple deals a year for the last couple of years and you're ready to like scale it up, that should not be outside the budget for what you're, what you're doing. And if you were to total, I mean, I'm talking out the door, like no other additional costs, 500 bucks a month, then what that would most likely generate depends on the market. You'd be getting about two new opportunities a day. So two new leads, first name, last name, uh, phone number and email. And that would be through our system finding these leads through our proven ads on social media, online, and then having them fill out a form that opts in and gives them, gives you consent to follow up with them. Right. And, and then they go through the process of seeing your brand a few times and bam, then your the lead is integrated with your CRM. So for, for that little, you know, you could, you could consistently have two new opportunities every day, about 60 a month. So for $500, you could on average get 50 to 60 contacts a month. Is that what you're saying? Yes. I mean, that, that sounds too good to be true. And you know, we get pitched these things all the time of like, oh, you spend this much money and you're going to make, you know, you're going to get this many leads. I mean, obviously the big ones are Zillow, Realtor.com, all those, uh, you know, specific real estate companies that do. But you're saying for 50 bucks a day, you, you under 50 bucks a day, you could generate... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, and I can, I can break it down for you too. So just, I know it sounds too good to be true because when you pay Zillow 150 bucks per lead, you're like, what do you mean? I'm going to get 60 for five. <laughs> I should get three or four. Um, the reason we're able to do this is because we help you skip the most expensive part of marketing and advertising. The most expensive, the most frustrating and the most overwhelming part of marketing and advertising Sorry, this is my, my dog howling. <laughs> um, she howls anytime a fire truck goes by. So no, don't worry about it. it's going to last for another 10 seconds or so. Um, the most expensive part, it's really drawing out my point. I love it. The most expensive part is trial and error. Trial and error. That's when you're throwing things at the wall, hoping they stick, but 90% of them don't. You just wasted money. We help agents skip that because we've already for the last three years with top brokers been spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on marketing campaigns, testing what works. And then we found it we give you the exact template so you can flick it on immediately. So, so what does work is what I'm asking you. Like what Okay, let us behind the curtains a little bit. What is the, like, what's the secret sauce? What actually works? I mean, is it something that, uh, is it a Facebook ad? Is it, you know, are we targeting specific audiences? Um, you know, and, and how does that break down? And then what percentage? So if we're spending $500, obviously mm -hmm. a cut of that's going to you. So how much is being spent on the actual ads versus how much is going in your pocket? Great question. So, and this is to remind everyone, this is the real nurture model, right? Real nurture.io because on the steezy digital side, we go, you know, far above and beyond this. Um, we have a marketing retainer plus ad spend, but for real nurture, we want to make it super cost effective. So, in order to automatically generate and follow up with leads, we have a full follow-up system once they're generated. It's $199 per month for the technology with ongoing updates 
and you know new templates you know every couple months when facebook updates their compliance and everything changes it's like all right here's the new template um that's 199 so you're spending 300 dollars the majority of that 500 on your own brand and that's helping you to get impressions in your local market because with those 50 to 60 leads, you also had thousands of impressions in your local market that didn't opt in, but they saw you. And, you know, the, the secret sauce comes down to each little detail in the funnel. Because we, we help each agent set up a personalized funnel for them. It launches through their own Facebook page. You know, we're not, we're not like generating a farm of leads and then divvying them out to five different agents, um, the same lead five times or any of that. We actually help you set up a funnel in your own Facebook advertising, so Facebook ad to Messenger, real estate chatbot. We also get the SMS opt-in so we can nurture through uh, and follow up through SMS text, Facebook Messenger, and email. And that's all built in. So that's really kind of how it, the, the secret sauce is really that connection between the lead generation part and the follow-up. That's what, what I've found is that the reason I... I called real nurture real nurture is I, I looked at the pain points of the industry and the problems after working with top brokers for the first you know, two years while we were developing. And then we developed real nurture over the last like 18 months. Um, I noticed that yes, there are thousands of leads coming into all these agents all the time at, but what happens after that real estate is one of the longest sales cycles of any, any, I mean, even enterprise sales, right? Like enterprise B2B is like a year or two out. Well, a real estate transaction, some people are three months out. So, or sorry, three years out. So with that being said, I think the secret sauce really is, yes, to generate the lead, but then to have really effective follow-up and retargeting in place, which we do. So we generate the lead, but then without the agent even contacting them, say they call them a couple of times, no one picks up the lead is automatically on multiple channels followed up with for over a year. So from that first moment that they see the agent's brand, now they're going to continue to see them through Facebook messenger, through SMS text messages, through email. And it's all value-based. It's educational. It's value-based. It's branded to that agent. And then also retargeting on social media. So not only on the messaging platforms, but then when they go back to Instagram, when they go, you know, to Facebook later, 90 days from now, there's a whole cascading series of retargeting that's ready for them. So it's, uh, I think that's the biggest key in conversion and actually converting online leads is staying in front of them and having the appearance of having a really big brand. And you can do that for, for much less expensive um, than you, you would think, much less than you think. So... When you say that you you know your system is two hundred bucks a month, and then so the three hundred bucks extra would be go, going towards generation. Um, like I'm telling you right now, I I have too many systems already, right? I have uh, KV Core, I have you know all all kinds of different you know follow up type stuff. So does your system integrate into that, or do I have to learn a whole nother? system, a whole nother set of tools. And then now I'm focusing on your system and taking time away from KV core that I'm spending all kinds of money on. So like, how do you integrate? How does it even work? Great question. So will there be a learning curve? Yes, of course there will be. It's, but 
we do integrate with KV Core. So we're not trying to replace your C CRM. We, you know, integrate with LionDesk, KV Core, Follow Up Boss, like basically anything that Zapier can integrate with, we can help you integrate. And what happens is all the conversations on Facebook Messenger happen through your, your Facebook page. And then if you want to review and check like the SMS text and all that stuff, then you do have an online portal to do that. But the real value is that when the lead gets to the point where they're ready, say they, they have achieved a certain lead score, because we score leads based on engagement. Is this lead engaging with the things we're sending out? If yes, then we increase the lead score. If no, then we maintain the lead score at the same rate it was prior. And that then would not trigger a, a following it, um, integration. So without getting too lost in the weeds on that, the answer is we did not want to add another platform to worry about. The whole purpose of doing this for top brokers was so that they would bring us on and they would just start getting more appointments and incoming phone calls. Like that was the point. So with that in mind, we, we still have that system and we help individual agents set it up too. So automated scheduling where the literally the lead can go through schedule an appointment, look at some listings, interact with the chatbot, and then automatically schedule to your calendar at a time that's already available to you. I mean, th that level of boom, boom, boom. And then, you know, you're meeting with someone that to this point, they know you, but you haven't even had a conversation with them yet. It's, it's really slick. So let's talk about automatic scheduling. Cause I'm telling you right now, I am terrified to do automatic scheduling because I don't want to end up looking like an idiot. Like, I, my schedule changes hour by hour, day by day. And, you know, like I'll be talking to somebody on the phone. It's very important. I've been waiting to schedule this appointment. And then if I'm using automatic scheduling and I tell them, yeah, I'm cool for Thursday at noon because I already know I don't have anything. Now I, I do have something. Like, do you recommend that all, everybody uses an automatic scheduler? Because, and if you do, then what are some of the tips you can use to, uh, you know, to be good at automatic scheduling, not overbooking yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm actually about to do an entire training about planning and, and scheduling because that after attending so many high level masterminds has been one of the, the biggest topics of productivity and success is really time blocking, single tasking, focusing on one thing at a time and, and planning out, you know, either the next week ahead or however you want to do it the next day at a minimum where your next day is like blocked out. Um, as far as success with, with online scheduling, you don't have to do it. A lot of our top clients don't because they have a receptionist that answers every call. She manages the, the Google calendar that everyone has access to and she's the automated, automated scheduler essentially. So for, for that type of business and, and structure, that's fine. You don't have to have some kind of online automatic calendar. However, for myself, for a lot of individual agents that we've worked with, they've found that it is nice to have, even if you don't schedule and you're not rigidly committed to that only. Like if you're talking to a friend, you don't need to send them your automated scheduling calendar. <laughs> you, can, you can still check it, see if you're available and make plans through text or whatever. So you can do the same thing with prospects. Like, hey, you want to grab a, a beer? No. I, well, here, yeah, I'll grab a beer. Check my calendar. Go ahead. Yeah, check my calendar, book a time. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty quick i think yeah exactly so for that type of interaction no it doesn't make sense but for the level of interaction it does make sense is when you're dealing with a high volume of incoming traffic 
that you want to organize and you want to let them qualify themselves. So what I mean by that is you talked about as a realtor and as a team leader, you're getting phone calls every freaking day from people selling you. Well, guess what's, guess what's happening to someone who just hadn't expired. They're getting slammed with phone calls from realtors. So why not instead market to them, have them go through your lead funnel and opt in. Then once they opt in and they've already seen your brand and then they realize, wow, this person really knows what they're talking about. This person has value to offer. They click and schedule on your calendar. That is so much different. And that's how I've built my business. I've had top brokers not only do an automated scheduling app, but fill out a short form, an application before talking to me. And the psychology of that is so different from me cold calling them and saying, hey, I really want to sell you something. And hey, no offense to cold calling. There's a whole art to that. But I, I chose I to, I, yeah, but I chose to instead structure my business with an inbound strategy. I want people to come to me who are interested in working with me. Yeah, it sounds fantastic, but you're okay. You talk about an expired listing, right? Yeah, expired listing that the art of expired listing is that you are going after somebody whose house literally just expired mm -hmm. and you have a very limited amount of time to get in contact with that. And when I teach expired listings to my agents, I mean, we want to be on the phone at 8 45 in the morning, you know, nine o'clock in the morning, the latest, you know, to call these people because we want to be the first ones. And then the other thing is, and I'm, I'm, I'm spilling too, probably too much of the secret sauce, but I teach my, especially my newer agents to everybody wants to go after the $500,000 listing, right? Like go after the $75,000 listing because that's, I mean, you're, you're new, you need to build yourself up and, and those people are going to be one of the last ones to be called. So you can be first to them and show them how important they are to you, you know, and those are like some little tricks, but like if you're going to do it online, how could you possibly find out how to market to an expired listing? Like there's no algorithm for that. That's what I'm trying to say. There's just no algorithm to say, oh, so-and-so's house has sat on the market for a year and I want to make sure that, you know, they're advertised to like right as their house is expiring. Like it just wouldn't work. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that, that there's no exact algorithm. That is something that we looked into developing about a year ago with a top agent in Beverly Hills. And he does like a lot of expireds, a lot of stuff like that. And we were looking at some like network AI where it would be able to recognize how you could get introduced to them. And it ended up being kind of too big of a, it was too big for a side project. That's like a main thing. Like if you're going to found a company to do just that. So with that being said, you're right. I, I brought up the expired example of the phone call for that. It was an example. No, we don't have this perfect solution for expireds. So, keep so what you're hoping to do is you're hoping to build a brand presence so that when their house does expire, they're thinking of you, not the people that are calling them on the phone. Yes. And also the whole point is to fill the top of the funnel. So and if you think of a Zillow lead, because we brought this up earlier in the call, Zillow lead, typically they're more bottom funnel, which means they're one to three months out. So usually. Yeah, usually. They're, 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 they're farther down the funnel. And then also there's usually like five other agents calling them because they didn't only click on your listing, but they also clicked on five others while they were searching at home. So with that being said, a lot of that's a more expensive lead because they're more bottom funnel. 
But if you go up higher in the funnel, where do people start their search? Online. And yeah, they might start it on Zillow and Redfin, but they also start searching on Google. And they start to take certain actions, which then indicate that they are starting to either research how to sell their house for top dollar or research how to buy a house in a certain neighborhood. Facebook has 5,000 data points for every person that's on there and they only give marketers access to like a couple hundred. So if you let the algorithm do its thing and you know how to run paid advertising like we do, what happens is when people start to take those actions and they're visiting sites similar to Zillow and things like that, well, you can serve an ad to them. So if this person was doing like a home valuation tool or doing things like that, you could prior to their expired, get them into your funnel. We get people in the funnel all the time that have an agent, but they were looking at listings that we were offering or uh, they were looking at, you know, a free home, free home valuation tool to double check based on what they had just gotten an appraisal for. And so all those are new top of funnel leads or mid funnel leads that are in your network now. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I had to call you out because there's just no, there's nothing for expired listings specifically. So you're you're just trying to build the brand presence. You're trying to make awareness. You're trying to get people to click so that someday when they are, because you know they they might be in your funnel and then they still hire another agent because they have a relationship and that agent doesn't sell their house and then now you're that next person top of mind because they see your marketing, they see your brand. And that's what you're hoping for in the expired listing categories to get them uh, already thinking you're their next guy uh, after uh, Aunt Susie doesn't sell their house because Aunt Susie's a part-time agent who doesn't know what she's doing. So Precisely. Yeah. Okay. And for, um, you to, and for you to have everything set up to where you look like you are the most professional act in town. So I just went through this back in, uh, in late 2019 to where I was going through how do we – you know, reevaluate where we're spending our money and what do we invest in. And obviously one of the things that has been brought up numerous times from, uh, we call them advisors with our company, but our agents uh, are, you know, they wanted CRMs, they wanted, you know, systems and stuff like that. So um, you seem to integrate with a lot of them. What are some tips that you can do to uh, choose the right CRM for your business? And then also, um, out of all the CRMs that are out there, which one impresses you the most or which maybe two or three impress you the most? Sure. So the first question before like the suggested CRMs was uh, how to, how to maximize them. Yeah. Like, you, you know, how to choose, like, like what are some of the things you should look for when choosing a CRM? Okay. You should look for the focus on phone numbers. So many CRMs were created eight, 10, I mean, even some like, longer, like 12, 15 years ago. Um, I don't want to name any names, but some of them are outdated. Their code is old. Their, their philosophies are old. You need to be focusing on mobile first marketing. Newer CRMs and more cutting edge ones that have either have more funding and they got updated or they're just new, they focus on SMS text follow-up. That's where it's at. So if your CRM isn't really focusing on phone numbers, like for example, some CRMs with a integration, they require email. Others require phone number. That seems like a small difference. And I'll, I'll tell you some that, that require one or the other, but that's a big difference because in one of our short form leads, if one of our agents wants higher volume, then we don't take them through a multiple question real estate chatbot flow. We just say, 
Okay. Facebook Messenger subscription, phone number, integrate with the CRM. Here's the catch. If you try and do that same funnel where it's high volume and we can still now follow up with them and with the most effective multi-channel technology, that integration would fail to an old CRM like Top Producer because guess what? They require email. Mm. So that's one thing to really note and focus on is like, think about how you communicate with others, right? You're texting all the time. So really you want to be focused on like, does the email offer SMS automation, a focus on phone, SMS is text messages. Mm -hmm. um, And then like a, a focus on phone numbers as the primary source of contact. So that would be, I guess, like the number one criteria. And then as far as some, some really good ones, um, I'll give you my top three in no particular order because they really depend upon your budget as well. Um, some of these are really expensive. Sync, Commission Sync, awesome. They focus on phone number only, um, you know, leads types and things like that. Firepoint, also awesome. Has a lot of really cool technology for brokers and team leaders. Um, also, both of those are pretty pricey. And then the next tier, which is my favorite to integrate with, super easy and really good follow-up is follow-up boss. So I'd say those three are, are my personal recommendation. Um, and again, you know, I integrate with these. I don't use them every single day, but I notice that those have the most cutting edge technology of the ones that I have integrated with. And I got to give a shout out to my boy, Joshua Smith. Uh, Perfect Storm is also a really good one. I don't know if you guys know about that, but it's uh, specifically a real estate CRM that's come up in the last couple of years. And it, same thing, it has like SMS automation. It's very cutting edge nice user interface. So of course the first three I mentioned have been around for a while. They're big, but if you're looking for more of a like startup style where you get like additional support potentially and things like that, um, perfect storm is also really good. Very cool. I mean, how much can a, an agent like for instance, obviously I've, I've talked about KB core. That's, that's who, who we've subscribed to. Uh, if an agent wanted KB core, they have to spend like 500 bucks a month on it. Uh, how, like what would a good budget be for a real estate agent to have their own CRM if they didn't want to integrate with their broker, just CRM? I mean, it depends on so many factors. What's this agent at as far as sales? Honestly, if you're, if, if you're under like, 10 transactions a year, then I would use everything that your brokerage offers for free. <laughs> Seriously. And then if you're like, you know, between 10 and 40 transactions and you're, you're starting to kind of level up in the game, sure. Go spend a couple hundred bucks on your favorite CRM. But I'll tell you, uh, there are CRMs outside of the real estate world that are incredible and free. So, to give a shout out to the one that I use personally for my agency, HubSpot is incredible. They have an amazing free CRM and you can mold it into anything you want. And so with that being said, I wouldn't overlook the fact that, yeah, there are a million real estate CRMs, but there's also a million outside of real estate that are super good. So, um, you know, if I were, if, if I were an agent, I'd use everything that my brokerage was giving me for my first and couple like year, 18 months, depending on how long it took me to get to like 30 to 50 transactions consistently a year. And then I'd start to look at like, okay, I acknowledge what my brokerage has been using and what has, what has worked for them. Now I want to optimize and scale myself and continue to grow. And I think there's that transition point where like you really need to not take for granted 
all of the systems that already exist within your brokerage. But then if you get to a point and you're one of the top producing agents, you can kind of now make your own way. Sure. Do some research, um, look at some CRMs. But you, here's the thing. You don't want to be buried with 500 bucks a month for a CRM that isn't generating new opportunities when you don't have a lot of opportunities. The focus in the beginning is like, let's get deals coming in. Let's get so busy that I need a CRM to organize it all, right? And, and that's, I think, really the first goal is like, let's get some sales under your belt. Let's focus on sales. I even had a question, you know, what, what should a brand new agent do for marketing? Like brand new, just got your license. I said, you should focus on sales. You should focus on, <laughs> you should not pay for it because you're going to burn leads that you, that you pay for. You should work with your broker you should spend every day with your broker, do field training, go to listings with them if you can, like do everything, make phone calls in the office, be around that energy. Like you should really dive into what it takes to, because that test you just took has nothing to do with your day-to-day life as a real estate agent. Nothing. So, so, so that's, that's what I, I say to like a brand, brand new, but you know, then as you, as I mentioned at the beginning, it really depends on what level you're at. So uh, I, I ask this question to everybody that comes on the show, and, and it's, uh, it's starting to become more and more important, especially with things like uh, COVID-19 going on and everything. Mm. What are your thoughts about technology, and how do you see it affecting the real estate business going forward? Uh, you know, do you see us leaning more towards uh, virtual showings, Matterport-type stuff uh, in the future? Uh, do you feel like eventually it's uh, the online platforms like Zillow who are trying to put us out of business are eventually going to succeed? Um, do you think iBuyers are the future? What's your opinion? All right, broad topic and a good one. So technology is here to stay. It's not something that you can do without in your business and and really that's the whole point of what we did with Steezy Digital is we acknowledge that these top 1% brokers are incredible at real estate, but they needed help upgrading their technology and automation. And so with that being said, you can empower yourself with the same technology that like Zillow and Redfin and Opendoor are using to try and replace you. You can, you can empower yourself with it. And that's our mission with Steezy Digital and RealNurture.io. Our mission is to empower 100,000 agents with technology. And in the process, impact millions of home buyers and sellers because with Zillow and Redfin and Opendoor and all these iBuyers out there, I've heard so many stories of sellers getting burned, selling their house for way under market and that affecting them the local area's house prices because now that's a comp, right? That comp was sold. 10, 15% under, and guess what happens then in, at the next sale in that neighborhood and the next sale? So there's that aspect of it. But then there's also the, the emotional aspect of, you know, one of my clients, actually, he's an international client. He said, as a realtor, I'm 10% a sales rep, 90% a psychologist, and I only get paid for the sales part. <laughs> so that's how he kind of explains his commission when people say, like, oh, why 3% or why, you know, whatever. And so, with that, you, you can't get the same level of local insight, of industry experience, of just interpersonal communication and support. I mean, a, a realtor is such an important aspect in the sales cycle. So I believe that realtors are here to stay. I don't think that Zillow and Redfin and Opendoor are just going to sweep the whole world and take over. 
they'll take a certain percentage of the market. The people that really want that level of solution and, and what have you, but I think it's going to maintain a, a small percentage of the, the super, you know, innovative type of like first early adopter cutting edge people. Like that's what 97, 98% of the rest of the market are still going to want agents. And then it get, comes down to how accessible are you? How visual are you online? You could be the best agent in town, but if no one sees you, if they look you up and Google you, you have nothing online, you have no reviews, guess who they're going to go with? Johnny New Rep, who's good at digital marketing. <laughs> okay. so, so you really, it is a big piece of the puzzle. You have to be on these online platforms and it doesn't have to take your entire life and like eat up every single second of every single day in order to do that. Um, and that really comes down to knowing what lever, what lever to pull in sequence. So what I mean by that is goes back to what level you are as an agent and knowing like, okay, once I get to a certain level, I need to get help with an assistant or some kind of marketing director and, and moving up. It's the same thing as knowing like, when do I introduce a new CRM? If, if that's one of my goals, when do I introduce paid advertising? If that's one of my goals and when do I add this $500 a month from real nurture, right? If that's one of my goals, do I need to get to a higher level before doing that? Am I ready now? Really knowing what sequence, not doing things out of order. I think that's also a really, really important part to scale. Well, in, in our business, you got to spend money to make money too. I mean, uh, you can, yeah. there are free ways to do business, but uh, you also have to reinvest and, and pay if you want to grow your business. How important Absolutely. is home setting? Goal setting is paramount. Goal setting, also there's an art and a science to it. So goals are dreams with deadlines. That's what Eric Gilman, my, my good friend from Cutco, said a long time ago. It always stuck with me. When you set a goal, Tony Robbins talks about SMART goals. Something, I hope I can remember the acronym, <laughs> right? Specific, measurable, <laughs> attainable, yeah. realistic, and on a timeline. Yeah. Right? A SMART yeah. goal. You got it better so, than I did. My business coach is shaking his head when he's listening to this. I can guarantee that. <laughs> Those are the types of goals that can expand you and push you to, to continue to grow and achieve. Because without a goal, without a vision, you are either going to maintain or go back down to where you were before. And in the slight edge, Jeff Olson talks about it. It's the success roller coaster and the success cycle of you – you all of a sudden like do a ton of action and it creates success and you get up to here and you stop doing all the things that got you that success. And guess where you go right back down to where you were before. And then you're like, Oh crap, I'm on the verge of losing my car or bankruptcy or whatever. And then you get this motivation again to go back up goals, save you from that. If you set a goal to get to this level and then immediately when you accomplish it, you now, restructure, increase that goal, and you set it again for that next month, that next year to be 30%, 50%, 100% higher than the previous year, you're always shooting for something in the future. And it saves you from that entrepreneurial roller coaster of ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs. The one thing I can say about goals, because this is an entire talk in and of itself, is you have to break it down to one key productivity indicator. You have to break it down to one activity. On realnurture.io, we actually have the ultimate goal setting 
framework for real estate. It breaks down your total income goal for the year or your total transactions or your total, you know, however you measure it, GCI, whatever you want, breaks it down to the number of phone calls you need to make. The number of, if you measure it by open houses, the number of open houses you have to do. If you measure it by appointments set, the number of appointments you have to set. And then it breaks it down to not the total year, but month, week, day. So then you can also weight it like, well, summer's more busy. That's where I do 40% of my business. You put it in 40%, boom, it says, this is how many appointments you need to be setting or this is how many phone calls you need to make during summer to hit your goal of 30% growth and doing 20 million next year in real estate. So you have to break it down to one activity. That's the whole point with that is you have to break it down to like, for example, at Cutco, it was phone calls. It's really, it's nice to, to for this, this push period right here, it's a, this trophy that I'm pointing at for those of you that are listening to just audio, it's behind me hanging on the wall. That means I sold $15,000 worth of Cutco in two weeks. The average order is $250. So that's a lot of sales in, in a two week period of time. It's a summer sales competition. And when we would do these push periods, at the beginning, the week prior, it's called challenge week. You'd get this momentum rolling up into push, the push weeks. And that's where you'd set your goals. Well, we didn't just say, I want to push really hard. I knew to the phone call how many phone calls I needed to make in that challenge week and in that two weeks to hit that goal based on my average order, my average closing ratio, my average calls to, to appointments set, my average appointments to then closes based on my closing ratio and average order. And then you break it down to that goal. So the whole point is you got to have one number. I knew that if I made 42 calls a day, I'd hit the goal. And then you can focus on actions. You don't have to focus on results and get emotionally bummed out or emotionally excited and overexcited. And then your actions slack. You can just focus on the actions. 42 calls a day, 42 calls a day, 42 calls a day. That's the, the biggest secret with goals is break it down to the one thing. I love it. I love it. So, you had to have had a mentor to get you to where you're at right now. Who is your mentor and how did they help you? Oh man, I have a list of them. A list? I mean, nice. yeah, so many. So I heard a concept uh, from Darren Hardy to invest 10% of your income in yourself every year, no matter what your income is. So when you make a million dollars a year, that means you got to find a way to spend a hundred grand on yourself in personal development. It becomes a feat once you get you know, into the later levels of success. So I've had, gosh, I mean, Hal Elrod was one of the first ones. I did some coaching from him. Uh, he is Miracle Morning. And uh, he recently spoke on the Lab Coat Agents webinar. Um, then from there, I did, uh, you know, throughout college, I was going to Cutco sales conferences. And I heard talks from Les Brown. I heard talks from Matthew Kelly. I heard, you know, I, I had a lot of mentors within Cutco as well top agents or sorry, top reps like uh, Eric Gilman and, and then reading books by like John Broman and all these top legendary Cutco reps. And then after Cutco, I continued to invest in personal development because now it was a habit. I noticed that when I invested in myself, my income increased, my happiness increased, my impact increased. And so I kept investing in myself and I was invited by one, a friend to go to a Tony Robbins conference. Yes, let's do it. Did that, went to Unleash the Power Within. 
walked on 2000 degree coals, did the whole thing. And, uh, I, afterward we, we were offered one free coaching session, right? Which is genius because the whole pitch is, Hey, you're really excited during this four day event. You want to keep this momentum going and not just let this be another, con- uh, another conference you never you know, implement, do our coaching. You get one free call. So I did the free call and then I booked 18 months of coaching with one-on-one, like every seven to 10 days having a Tony Robbins certified coach. So it wasn't Tony. He's like a million dollars a year to have personally coach you, but um, it was you know a, a certified coach and they, they personally matched me based on my interests with someone who was, who was great for me. And I ended up working with, with him for two and a half years, every seven to 10 days, boom, accountability call, coaching call, and, you know, specific to what I'm doing. That's how I learned some of these, some of these techniques. And, um, but then it was really just accountability. And then from there, I realized, okay, I need to continue to grow and I need to grow specific to marketing and technology. So then I invested in the traffic and funnels training, which is amazing by uh, Chris and Taylor. They, they live out on the East Coast in like South Carolina. Um, I think they're based out of Nashville, Tennessee now. And they were specific to like booking clients online, like having automated scheduling, having like inbound marketing. And that was really like once I got into my marketing agency and was looking to level up in that realm, I got coaches specific to that realm that had what I wanted, that were actual practitioners and actually were like young guys in their early 30s that had achieved the level of success in the world I was trying to get into that I wanted. So I invested. I paid to have them coach me and consult me. And it's just, do you notice a theme? Every year, every year, year after year, I continue, no matter what I'm doing, no matter what I'm focusing on, to invest in myself in that area. And the mentorship will never stop. The thing that I caught most about that is that you were trying to find somebody younger uh, who, you know, kind of knew today's business. Um, because mm. I actually went to a, a seminar with a, where a real estate coach was, was uh, doing a seminar. And he's a very, I'm not going to say he's a very popular real estate coach. And uh, you could tell, like, his, his trainings and his systems were based on 1990s and early 2000s. Uh, like, there, even the stuff that was integrated to look, like you know to work with like facebook and stuff was nowhere near where it needed to be like it was like facebook from you know seven years ago or whatever so right Facebook's changing so much on, on a daily basis i mean you have to have to stay up on that i'm a big fan of trying to figure out how to do work-life balance so how do you balance work in life great question work-life balance is a myth <laughs> have you ever heard that I have heard that, yeah, but nobody's told me that when I ask him about it. Yeah, work-life balance is a myth, ladies and gentlemen. It's something that we have been designed to think about based on corporate America because basically they want us to, to be employees and have good work-life balance and this and that. The reality is that you'll spend more time with people that you work with than your family. So work-life balance is a complete myth, but having overall balance in your life and focusing on, I think what's more important is energy. What tasks give you energy? What tasks, when you finish them, you are lit up and you are more energetic, more focused, more excited than when you started? And what tasks drain your energy, right? 
With that in mind, don't schedule four things that drain your energy first thing Monday morning. That's going to crush your momentum for the whole week. So I think that's the more important way to look at it is a little bit more metaphysical. And you got to do some introspection to realize authentically what gives you energy and what takes it away. But that's so much more important because focusing on trying to like to the minute shut off work and start life and like these are separate and if you're doing great work work is your life and then you have other things that are important to you like contribution your family i mean the the list goes on i mean i believe that success is measured much more by what you give back than what you gain or what you, you know income it's it's all about impact ultimately so if you're doing great work that is your life but with that being said, you got to also realize like, okay, I'm starting to burn out on this one topic. I need to switch gears, re-energize. And that's different for everyone. You know, meditation, camping, hiking, surfing, what, whatever it is for you that really like recharges you, like clears out the mental stuff. You can then come back with a fresh approach. Um, Darren Hardy said, hey, you want to be more productive? Take more time off. Literally, like so many entrepreneurs, especially, um, you know, real estate agents at a high level, it's so easy to work seven days a week for extended periods of time. And then you experience burnout. My biggest fear as an entrepreneur is burnout. So I, I actively, I have to like peel myself away sometimes because I'll just, I'll just work. I'll just like 10 PM, I'm doing a new launch or a product or whatever. And you know, my girlfriend's like, Hey, let's, uh, Let's go watch the TV and, and just chill out. You know, like it, it, there's so many times when I need to realize and break away. So if you're struggling with work-life balance, realize that everyone struggles with work-life balance. But I would say just focus more on energy, like what gives you energy, what takes it away and balancing those two. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm definitely one of those people that if I didn't have a wife and kids, I could probably uh, work 24 seven, 365, you know, and I don't even know if I get burned out. I mean, I, I, I don't get burned out when I'm working. I get burned out when I'm, when I'm at home and like, uh, I was probably a hot mess over the last 45 days when I couldn't work. Right. Um, uh, but, right. uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely something everybody treats it a little differently, but I love some of the things you said there. Okay. I'm going to ask you, what your retirement looks like and you know i'm going to guess you're probably around my age so you're a long ways away from retirement but uh with that i just want to know what do you right now what do you think your retirement looks like and then have how often do you think about retirement good question i set a goal to retire by the time i was 30 when i was 16. <laughs> okay I'm, I'm 29. are you gonna retire <laughs> when you're 30? Uh, we'll see if, if I, if I'm able to, uh, scale real nurture to the, to the point where I want it to be, then, then I'll be close. I, I don't know if I'll retire by 30, but I also said, I want to, I want to make a million dollars in a single year by, before I'm 30. So I'm, I'm closer to that than retirement. So we'll see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, at this point I've through all my personal development, I've learned, Hey, you need to be thinking about the future in a retirement type of mindset of they don't have pensions anymore that just pay you 80% of your salary for the rest of your life. It's just not a thing. So you're going to going to need, I mean, and Tony Robbins, his book money, it was, it was a great book about 
putting the responsibility on us. Yeah, it, it was also, yeah, it was a, a volume. It was like a <laughs> Lord of the Rings, like the, the, the final Lord of the Rings book thick. It was just ridiculous. Um, but it was awesome. And, and I loved it. I, I ended up buying it. No, I got it for free at the Tony Robbins conference. And then I bought the audio because I, I love audio books. And that's how I was able to get through it. I have the audio. It was like yeah. nine and a half hours long. It was, it was yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Even on like one and a half speed. Yeah. <laughs> so amazing principles in that. And it really, it reminded me that look, no one's looking out for you. So you got to look out for you as far as like your financial future. Like for example, the, the pension, when they switched over to the 401k, everyone's like, Oh, I got a 401k. Okay, cool. What are you doing with that 401k? What is it actually diversified into? Are you, are you spread out into the right type of asset allocation? Is it is based on your age, your risk aversion and your level of income and anticipated income. Are you set up to over compound interest and over the next 30 years achieve your goal? And so really thinking about that, um, I started investing years ago in, in maxing out my Roth IRA. That was prior to making 125,000 a year. That was the number one thing that I could do as a tax shelter and as a future retirement. Because then when you have the Roth, you're taxed on the seed of the investment. You're taxed now. And the, the value is that then later when you pull out and, of this retirement and it's grown to this huge oak from a small little acorn, you're not taxed on that. But that's only available when you're making under 125,000. So every year that I, I was making less than that, I maxed out my Roth IRA, 5,500, 5,500, 5,500, 5,500. And that was just the first step. Okay, 500 bucks a month, essentially, I need to be putting to pay me. I need to pay myself first and having that mindset. So my retirement even now is, is decent for being 29, um, but it's, you know, it's still nowhere that I want it to be. So I'm going to continue to stack that up. Um, I have a, one of the things that Tony talked about in money is working with a fiduciary instead of an advisor. So I have a fiduciary that I work with and uh, just the difference in that, you know, guys, if you, if you haven't heard about this, then go listen to money by Tony Robbins. Um, you know, he, he talks about just having a, a financial fiduciary that's more invested in growing your portfolio rather than like, moving, having control over your money and moving it around so that they can make a commission. So that's kind of like the difference there. Um, but right now my retirement is, is, you know, it's decent. It's diversified. It's a lot into the S and P just cause I, I believe in what they said in, in money and I'm not actively day trading and managing it and I'm not paying Ray Dalio to manage it either. <laughs> uh, so, you know, with that being said, like my best bet probably is the S and P over any long period of time and just, having the compound interest reinvested into it and stacked on top of it over 30, 40 years. And then boom, like later it's going to be huge. Um, so that's the basic strategy. And then I work stocks and I do some of that stuff on my own. You know, I just have like Robin hood and uh, by the way, stocks are amazing right now because COVID tanked the market and then everything's yeah. recovering. So I've been making a really good, uh, 30 days here. In the stock. Yeah. Yeah. My, my last 30 to 45 days have been incredible on personal day trading and stuff. So, uh, you know, just having your finger on the pulse. I think it's a responsibility thing. No one wants to sit here and learn financial literacy. Most people, like if you're not a finance major, you don't want to learn that stuff, but just understand that you have to, 
Like it's not an option because you will forever be hamstringed by either people taking advantage of you or you making wrong decisions and not knowing it. And, and that's just going to really impact your future so, and your children's future and their children's future. Cause I'm thinking legacy. I want to leave a legacy behind. I want to set up my next three generations of my family. And that's the type of impact and, and scale that I'm thinking. So with that being said, like you need to be the, the manager and commander and executor of that whole vision. And without the financial piece, it's not going to become a reality. You just can impact more people with money. And so I, I really focused about five years ago on, okay, I need to learn this. This is, this is an area of mastery that I need to master. And, um, you know, it's, it begins with a single step, like that, that first step into reading money or doing the Dave Ramsey seven steps to, to get just the first steps getting out of debt or whatever, like whatever phase you're in, taking that first step towards the future you want. I think that's the important part. And you don't even have to be an expert at, at all. I mean, uh, you know, I think it was, uh, I can't remember who the guy who challenged, um, uh, yeah, Warren Buffett to uh, Warren Buffett said, "I'll bet anybody a million dollars that the S and P five hundred will, will beat that their investment strategy uh, over a ten year span." And somebody bet him, and they lost. <laughs> so uh, it's you know if you if you really just want to take the the, the science and, and learning out of it, I mean you could literally just throw your money in stock market. It's better than leaving it in your bank account, you know, and that's. Uh, that's something that you can you can definitely do to improve your future. Um, when it comes to uh, retirement, I think that from what I can see, you're you're a very motivated person like I am. So you're probably never going to retire. You, you, right. you, might have, you might have a retirement from what you're currently doing, but then you're just going to create something else that you're going to end up doing. Uh, it seems to be uh, what entrepreneurs end up doing. So I'm, I'm hoping to someday spend a little bit more time on my golf game since it's absolutely horrible right now. Mm. Okay. Um, okay. I like it. I, this is going to be a good one. You can use whatever, uh, you know, if you want to go back to your, your Cutco days or, or whatever you want to do, tell us the funniest story from your career. Oh gosh. Funniest story. Um, that's a thinker. I mean, you really surprised me with this. Like for all the <laughs> listeners out there, this isn't scripted. So I, I really need to know something on the, on the spot here. Um, funniest story um i'm thinking if it's going to be cutco or if it's going to be like the marketing agency or you know what it's going to be probably cutco i think um i mean there's so many flashing in my head <laughs> i think the funniest story would be I'm, I'm giving a talk at a conference and it's, this is Cutco. I had kind of left for about a year and then came back post-college and um, I started to get back into sales with Cutco first before doing anything like that, you know, April or whatever, before summer hit and we got real busy. I was just like, okay, I need to call some past customers and sell some, sell some knives. Let's do this. <laughs> so after taking time off, you lose your edge, right? No, yeah. no pun intended, but you, you, you lose the, the quickness, the scripts, everything just kind of goes to, to the to the back of your brain and you can't think on the fly as quickly. So 
I, I uh, make this terrible phone call, like barely get the appointment only because she was a past customer and she needed something. And so I like show up. I'm, I'm all nervous. I don't know why I'd already been like a top rep and like recruited hundreds of agents and done all this stuff. But I have that like new rep nervousness and I show up, I, but you know, some of my coaching and, and mentorship had come through. So I was like, all right, ultimate upgrade, which is like, basically if you could take someone from like a basic set to the biggest set in a service call, that's the goal is to get an, what's called an ultimate upgrade. I'm like, ultimate upgrade is going to be like a $1,400 order. She only has like an essential set, whatever, da, da, da. And I'm like painting the vision and creating the reality. I walk in, completely stumble through, cut myself, like as I'm sharpening. <laughs> I nick my finger and I'm bleeding everywhere. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And she gets me a paper towel and it's just crazy. And <laughs> I cut myself on the spatula spreader, by the way, which isn't even like a knife. It's like a, it's like a spatula with an edge. But anyway... Um, <laughs> the only thing I sold there was one table knife for twenty nine dollars. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. And um, fast forward to like after summer, where I had had this fifteen thousand dollar push period, and you know I had like gotten my edge back and got and like achieved success again. I'm giving this talk at this conference, and I get to that point in the story, and I say. And she only bought one table knife and everyone's dead quiet. There's like a thousand reps in the room. And then I, the, the clincher, the line that sealed it, I was like, she needed it. <laughs> and everyone just erupts in laughter. It was like, it like broke the awkwardness of like, Oh wow. He had almost a no sale, you know, or whatever. Um, and it was just a really comical, like first step back. And, and uh, I think the, the learning lesson is no matter how like funny or awkward or like terrible certain situations seem in the moment, especially when it comes to like work or, you know, life, a lot of times you can just laugh about it later and it'll be some of the, like the fondest memories. So Yeah, absolutely. And it's a learning experience, you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely something that uh, you're going to be a little more careful when you're sharpening that spatula next time, right? I know. <laughs> so, so funny. All right, so we're almost done here. I'm going to get through these. We have uh, five questions I ask every guest that comes on the show. Um, they are a little bit in the real estate realm, but you're, you're somewhat in the real estate realm too. So what's your favorite technology tool? Mm. Well, you got to say my own, right? So You know, God, I'm talking about something you use every day. Maybe it's an app on your phone. Maybe it's something that keeps you motivated. Okay, I like that. I like that. Um, I'll do, I'll go the, the motivational route. So uh, there is an app called Motivate and a, I have a, a pretty strict morning formula. It's my, my vision and my morning routine that I, I go through every morning. And so part of that is like looking at my dream board, reading my vision, et cetera. But while I'm just like making my morning shake, that's going to give my body nutrients. And while I'm like doing those simple processes of getting ready prior to doing my morning reading and things of that nature, uh, I, I go to the Motivate app. So Motivate, they, have a, they used to have a free version, um, and now I think it's only paid, but it's like six bucks a month, and it gives you every day five new motivational videos. You can start to save them and save your favorites. And so now I have a library of favorites that if I'm feeling off that morning or whatever it is, woke up on the wrong side of the bed, I instantly get back into the right mindset 
and scroll through all these favorite videos. And so it's essentially like going to uh, like goal cast on YouTube or following like a motivational Instagram, except it's a little bit more polished. It's like, it's worth the six bucks a month for me to be able to go there instantly, get, you know, three motivational quotes a day, push to my phone, do my morning routine. And um, it really sets my mornings off on the right foot. I love that. I'm going to have to check it out. I, I personally, uh, one app that I, I really, really love, and I haven't talked about it, I don't think yeah. show it all, is called Habits. Uh, okay. It's literally just a little reminder tool that just pops up on your phone. You tell it when to pop up. And Did you read your book today? Did you, uh, you know, did, like one thing I've been focused on a lot this year is my health. I'm down about uh, almost 40 pounds year to date. That's amazing. Yeah, it's great. And I have my my app to thank for it because it, you know, I was using a tracking system at first to, you know, stay on track of what I'm eating, how much I'm working out, stuff like that. And I would just have reminders throughout the day. Did you track your your workout? Did you track your food? Did you track your, you know, your water intake, all that stuff? And uh, so it's amazing, you know, that we talk about technology and it can really be your friend if you utilize it right. Yeah, absolutely. What's your favorite real estate book? Ooh. Good question. Um, I mean, it's got to go back to the classic rich dad, poor dad. That's, that is a classic. Although I, I have a beef to talk about Robert with Robert Kiyosaki. If I ever right. talk to him and that's that never once in his book, did he talk about what happens if the world shuts down for 45 days, right? <laughs> and you have an investment property empire and yeah, all, all you, know, you have, you know, 50, 60, 70 units and you know, like now, now you're calling and negotiating with banks, trying to get, you know, extensions on your, your payments and stuff. Because yeah. Because all your tenants want extensions and you can't evict them. And yeah, uh, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, which again, nobody ever thought that that would ever happen. Right. So not then, even the legend. I read Robert Kiyosaki. I 15. I think my brother gave it to me when I was 15. He was in the military. So you got to read this book. And it just, it changed my whole outlook on life. Right. It's yeah, me too. I read it in high school and it blew me away. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely amazing. If you haven't read it, you got to read it. Uh, if you were not in the digital marketing realm, what would you be doing? Mm, good question. So if I was not in the digital marketing realm, I would be uh, making music full time. So making after college, music. yeah, after college, after my like business and marketing and all that focus, I went to school for music production. And uh, I've always loved music. So you know, I can actually like mix and master and write music and do that. So that's part of the quote unquote retirement plan. Retirement for me isn't sitting on the beach and just vegging out. Retirement for me is, is now focusing on like the true passion, the number one and having the financial resources to do that. So yeah, I mean, I would, I would work with top artists. I would create music that actually has meaning and impact and have that as part of my legacy, um, you know, be able to focus on it. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't give it the love and the, the time that it deserves now, but I still consistently chip away at it. I time block it a couple hours a week. I just, you know, I keep it fresh and I keep working on my craft. And then, you know, once I'm, I'm ready and I can really dedicate tons of time to it, that's when uh, I see that scaling to a, a higher level. I actually keep a, uh, a Google note uh i guess what do they call keep is that what it's called uh I, I just keep a little notepad with uh digital notepad with a bunch of uh ideas and because mm -hmm. like, if not i'll let ideas take me down a rabbit hole right so i i if i get an idea 
I just stick it on that pad. And then if uh, the day ever comes that I'm just no longer in real estate or I need something different, I'm going to go to that pad and pick an idea. But that's my, yep. my one thing that I, I, just like you, I'm sure I have at least a handful of things there that I'm going to be focused on someday. Yeah. You and I are the same. I had 46 business ideas written down in high school. Like these should exist. These are like products or innovations or whatever. And like some of them have actually then, you know, the story always goes, I, I thought of that. Yeah. Um, I actually yeah. have like a written down list of, of all these things. And yeah, you and I are the same in that. It kills me a little bit because I'm like, somebody's going to think of this and then I'm going to be mad, but it, yeah. it, is what it is. It does help to put it down a paper and just be like, okay, I, you know, it's out of my head. Outside of work, what's your favorite hobby? Uh, surfing. So I golf too. Um, so I, I, you know, just, just yesterday hit around with my buddy, but, um, I've, I've started to focus on golf more in the last couple of years, but, uh, surfing is the sport that I chose to continue. So I, I grew up, I am blessed and grateful to have grown up in Southern California. So the weather is amazing year round. And, um, I, I was able to be on the surf team in my high school, which is just like unheard of and ridiculous for like most parts of the world and i'm super grateful for that so surfing um i also did motocross and i also did baseball and like a bunch of other things but i realized pretty early on like the dream of being a major league baseball player i'm i'm quitting like i'm burnt out on it i'm over it and then motocross i broke 11 bones with like without even racing i just from motocross and just going with my friends and being a, a teenager i crashed a ton and broke 11 bones so i was like if I'm going to continue a sport that really lights me up into my adult life, I think I'm going to do surfing because I've pretty much never been hurt. Like one time I, I, I had a fin slice my, my foot and I got seven stitches one time in my entire life. I've been surfing for over 20 years. So, so yeah, um, that's my, that's my big, like, side sport passion um focus is uh, like tomorrow waves are five to six foot in huntington beach i'm going out tomorrow morning first thing uh, i'm i'm a little jealous because you know in, in pittsburgh it's like you got maybe like hockey you know the wintertime sport you know that's about all we got to keep us busy in the wintertime but right what's your dream vacation dream vacation man i just took it i um i spent I like to really live places when I go like vacation. I don't like to binge vacation. So I relocated, spent four months in Bali, Indonesia. And I, I had to leave a little early because of coronavirus, but uh, we, you know, we were still able to get two and a half months in. My girlfriend came and we both went out there and I was able to surf, manage my company, um, you know, live in an incredible tropical environment. Uh, I already had some friends there. So that was that was pretty much the dream vacation, and I, I just took it. So I need I need to come up with a new one now and put that on my dream board and check that off next. That's awesome, man! I love it. Well, hey Jeff, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, this is actually quite a bit longer than a normal podcast, but we just had a lot of great topics, and uh, I enjoyed picking your brain a little bit. So, where can people find out more about you? Absolutely, thank you so much for having me, and I really appreciate it. And um, they can find out about me on online of course look up steezy digital if you're a broker look up uh realnurture.io if you're an agent and you know for me personally linkedin uh or facebook is what i prefer so if you want to look me up on facebook jeffrey broger i'm sure you can you know double check the spelling based on this uh this podcast episode and everything but yeah i'd love to connect you know if, if you're a, 
a digital agency out there and you're looking for some guidance, you know, we let agencies white label our stuff. We, we, we don't believe in competition. We believe in collaboration. So, um, you know, if you want to white label us, that's fine. If you want to be a realtor that's using our product, if you're a broker who wants some consulting, we sometimes offer consulting and then we don't even implement it. We just hand it off to the marketing coordinator or director. Um, or if you want us to manage it, just, just let us know. Happy to help. And you can find us online. Awesome, Jeff. Hey, thanks for stopping by and you have yourself a good day. Thank you. Appreciate it. You too. Take care. Wow, that was a lot longer than our normal podcast. Uh, I think we went about 45 minutes past normal, but it was just some really great content. As you can see, he's just a great motivated person who uh, who really knows what he's doing and, and talking about. And, uh, you know, hopefully you guys learned something from this episode. Uh, if you want to hit me up on social media, at Ian S. Hoover on just about every platform. Uh, until then, this is Ian Hoover with the Realtor Nation podcast signing off.